Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Welcome back to The Advertising Show. It's a very special edition this weekend being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. In this segment, we've got uh, Jeremy Kent with us, our European correspondent, and that will be the prelude to a very special guest and a favorite guy here at The Advertising Show with you and with uh, you know me and Brad, too. Alex Ben Block, who is the uh, the senior editor at the Hollywood Reporter, he's done just about everything else as well. He's got a, a show on in L.A. He's uh, my goodness, been in Miami, Detroit. Uh, he's written a book called Outfoxed uh, and an international bestseller called The Legend of Bruce Lee. But he knows all about the uh, the, the entertainment industry and is really up to date with what's going on there. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of different stuff, including. Uh, uh, the uh, the upfronts, which are going on right now, uh, the, the, according to the New York Times, Brad, the we, uh, the weapons uh, of uh, the networks, it's a 40-foot sushi bar, 125-foot star-studded red carpet, and 14 flavors of donuts, including candied ginger, ginger and hibiscus. It, hmm. Basically, the upfronts used to be a glorified trade show back in the 60s. Now it was, uh, let's see, it evolved into a full-fledged, uh, very large event that cost the networks upward of a million dollars, and they're obviously uh, looking for their battle of uh, sixty billion in advertising dollars spent by the, uh, the largest marketers on television uh, commercials every year. So we'll talk with Alex about that as well. The upfronts. I'd like to go to that party. I'd like some well, sushi. It kind of makes you wonder. Uh, you know, TV, the TV networks. Uh, fragmentation of television viewership overall the you know problems with hundreds of choices that tv viewers now have with the dvr recording skipping spots the whole thing yeah. what do you do you got to feed these potential advertisers and and uh wine and dine them but you don't want to do it on an individual basis you just put on the dog and pony <laughs> for the upfronts and uh, i don't know that's a good. That's a good way to attract them, I suppose. I guess. That might not attend. That used to be such an exciting thing, many years ago, when it was uh, a handful of options on television that you could advertise on. Those days are long gone. You mentioned uh, you mentioned the uh, the skipping with the DVRs and such like that, and uh, I, uh, we'll hopefully get a chance to talk about Comcast uh, uh, halting uh, DVR uh, ad skipping, uh, seeking a patent for some new technology that is going to force people who really? fast forward through uh, DVR record shows to uh, uh, to view advertising, according to uh, Fierce Cable. Uh, that's what they're reporting. The cable operator doing the exact opposite of what Dish announced uh, just last week. Uh, so they've got well, the ad hop technology. You know, that's an interesting comment, Ray, that you <laughs> brought up or I'm going to make a, my own comment, but, you know, we've all been online and you have to view a particular spot in order to view something, uh, a video online, and they give you sometimes the option to X out of it, which I always do. Yeah. You probably do as well. If they keep it within 10 seconds or so, maybe 15 tops, I'm okay with it. But when you do a full 30, 
mm-hmm. you're sitting there waiting to see a video, A, you're looking away, you're shuffling papers, you're doing something else. And if it lasts more than 15 seconds, it's a bit irritating. So you're not feeling all that good about whatever advertiser it is that you're trying to ignore because you're trying to get to the real content. I don't know if you do that on regular television and do that uh, trying to, you know, design around the uh, DVR skipping capability, which, sadly enough, I'm in advertising, but I do skip. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Me too. You know, I don't know. I I think that may have a negative effect, and I don't know that I would watch so much programming on a network that – created that kind of environment. Can you say bookend, uh, Spot? Yeah. Uh, some say that the Dish's ad hoc feature is limited, though, and I think that's really interesting there. It's kind of a twist in that it only allows viewers to skip ads during, here it goes, primetime programming from four of the networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. So it's limited in its scope, and I just find this whole thing fascinating considering the fact that an average uh, 30 second spot now costs $111,500 according to the uh, uh, TVB and uh, so <laughs> something's missing here folks I don't know not hmm. making sense to me anyway you had something there too didn't you Brad yeah you know um, Facebook who's I guess by now when people hear this will have on uh, gone public I believe they were slated last Thursday to go public with their uh, with their stock offerings, well, maybe you read earlier in the week. People were commenting about they think that a certain lar- a large nut percentage of people thought that Facebook was a pa- passing fad. Well, Facebook ads <laughs> don't work according to General Motors. Ray, uh, GM plans to stop advertising with Facebook after deciding that paid ads on the side have little impact on consumers' car purchases. GM's move obviously puts a spotlight on whether ads on Facebook can actually help sell products, an issue that many marketers have been voicing concerns over for some time now. So, you know, wow. do they do they make ten billion? We don't know as we brought as we record this, mm-hmm. but we will know uh, by the time you hear this if the public offering did value the stock at Facebook at uh, ten billion dollars and made uh, you know young uh, Hotshot CEO, uh, what a couple couple billion dollars, ten billion dollars, I think. And I don't remember how much he. Uh, let's see, the company would be ten billion, and he was going to have two billion because he had twenty percent of the all, company. What a shame! Yeah. Well, you know, what could you do with two billion these days? Not a thing, you know. Buy yourself. I could get a, by on half that. Uh, egg salad sandwich. You know what I mean? What can I say? Yeah. Alex Ben Block is with us today here at the advertising show. Jeremy Kent here uh, coming up in uh, just a moment. Our uh, European correspondent. We we love Jeremy, too. He's a great guy. Uh, Alex is the senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, he uh, basically was the lead editor of George Lucas's blockbusting, a decade-by-decade survey of timeless movies, including untold secrets of their financial and cultural success. Author of the book Outfoxed, uh, the inside story of America's fourth, or whatever you would want to consider it, uh, network and uh, international bestseller, uh, The Legend of Bruce Lee. He's a native of uh, Syracuse, New York, which at this time of the year is an absolutely gorgeous place to be. For two weeks, they don't have snow, something like that. But Alex is in L.A. now. He's got a he's a, he's a show business family, too. He's got uh, Jody Taylor, uh, the actress that is his wife, and uh, Haley Taylor is his uh, daughter, and she is a successful singer-songwriter as well. So it's an entertainment kind of a thing here. 
on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe being powered by Shipple.com, S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com, and a platform that's called Tendency that is absolutely killer for websites. They've been a partner for the advertising show for well, the past decade almost here, so it's a, it's a good place to go, Shipple.com. Here's Jeremy Kent on the advertising show. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to the European News Desk. This week, WPP embarrassed by Argentine propaganda, McDonald's makeover gathers pace, and Heathrow attempts to reassure passengers. British advertising group WPP has been left embarrassed after its Y&R Buenos Aires office produced a propaganda piece for the Argentinian government that has sparked a major diplomatic row between the UK and Argentina. The 90-second film followed an Argentine Olympian in a step-up routine on a British war memorial in the Falkland Islands. The memorial commemorates British servicemen who gave their lives recapturing the islands following Argentina's invasion 30 years ago. The ad provocatively claims that in order for Argentinian Olympians to win in London on British soil, they must first train on their own. Sir Martin Sorrell said that WPP would do everything it could to deal with this appalling and embarrassing incident, but it comes at a time of increasing Argentinian belligerence and a growing tension between the two countries. Staying with the Olympic theme, Heathrow Airport has launched a campaign reassuring passengers of a smooth Olympic run. The ad campaign aims to show how Heathrow's employees, volunteers and contractors will be working collaboratively to ensure travellers experience a smooth passage through the airport. However, there may be some gaps between the brand claims and the true brand experience. The airport has been the subject of intense parliamentary debate and has been branded a national embarrassment as figures emerged that showed European passengers took around 45 minutes to clear passport control and non-Europeans could take up to three hours. Many non-UK residents have claimed that Heathrow is an unpleasant airport to arrive at and with the Olympics just three months away, it will take more than an ad campaign to change public perception on this one. Finally, one brand that has progressively changed its brand experience is McDonald's. As the latest phase in what's been termed its UK McMakeover, the fast food giant has just launched a new content portal. Whatmakesmcdonalds.co.uk is the latest in a strategic campaign designed to fundamentally shift brand perceptions. Back in 2007, McDonald's launched makeupyourownmind.co.uk offering to answer any and all questions the public may have and, at the same time, improve trust in the brand following years of negative headlines regarding the health impact of its burgers. The new social media-friendly site goes live next week and offers a range of videos and articles about what goes on behind the scenes at McDonald's. Over the last few years, there's been a steady revamp of McDonald's restaurants and menus, and the result has been 24 quarters of consecutive growth and a significant positive change in consumer perceptions. This is Jeremy Kent at the European News Desk for The Advertising Show. Back here on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. And, uh, well, our special guest today out of L.A. is Alex Benlock. Alex, welcome to The Advertising Show. Thanks so much. Tell us what you can about uh, what you can about Disney and the success that they have had by acquiring Marvel. You know, it's been kind of a tough year for Disney. They not long ago uh, dismissed the head of their movie division because a number of the movies hadn't done well. And then along comes the Avengers. And what is different about the Avengers, it isn't just Captain America or just Iron Man. It's the whole gang in one movie, which some people think is not a good idea because it overexposes them. But in this case, it turned out to be a brilliant idea. And so, yes, Disney had paid uh, over $4 billion for Marvel, which seemed very pricey at the time. Uh, But based on the success of the Avengers, uh, they've already made back probably a a large chunk of that money, and and it looks very promising. 
the Avengers opened uh, around uh, May 8th uh, that weekend and broke just about every box office record in history, uh, making well over $200 million in just the first three days of release over the weekend, playing on uh, over 4,300 screens. Uh, and that was just domestically. It became the first movie to cross $150 million in gross in just two days, $200 million in just three days. And then it just kept on going. Over this uh, second weekend, it, uh, it grossed another uh, $111 million or so. Uh, it's now the record holder for the biggest second weekend, number two, and uh, with $628 million uh, international through two weeks. Uh, the Avengers is now only one of 11 movies in history to climb past the $1 billion mark worldwide. And, uh, and the fastest to do it, Tied pretty much with uh, Avatar, but uh, those two are in kind of a class by themselves. So uh, a huge hit for Disney, and uh, I would guess soon you'll see, uh, well, first they plan to do sequels to each of the individual movies, the Iron Man and Captain America and so forth. Then they plan to do eventually another Avengers. It'll also, I'm sure, be showing up in theme parks and on television, and uh, lots of licensed merchandise is already out there and more coming. So uh, it turns out that $4 billion, uh, is a cheap price to pay for what's now become one of the biggest movie hits in history. Yeah, so they've, ar- they've already made up 25% of what they paid for in, in one movie. Is the Avengers, uh, it's not uh, such a uh, teen-targeted uh, movie so much, is it? Well, it is uh, for older uh, children and, and, and teens and young adults. Uh, but it's a movie that apparently plays across all quadrants. Uh, Cinema Score gave it, I think, an A or an A plus, and it did particularly well with uh, males. Uh, but it also did okay with females. So it's playing well to teens, but it's also playing to that young adult crowd. And remember, those are the people who love the movies most often, and often over and over again. So if they like a movie, they really like a movie. Right. The uh, great a great. Uh movie year, I guess, is shaping up so far this year, and we're going to talk about some of the summer movie uh, season hits expected on into the year. But before we do that, Alex, I understand with the Hunger Games success, Lionsgate uh, is finally getting some well-deserved respect in Hollywood these days. What can you tell us about both Lionsgate as well as the acquisition of Summit Entertainment? Well, Lionsgate is an interesting uh, company. They... uh have done a lot of different kinds of movies, uh, the Tyler Perry films and uh, the Expendables and other stuff, and they've had some success, but uh, nothing was uh, preparing any of us for what the Hunger Games did. It earned uh, almost $400 million in North America and about $240 million in uh, countries around the world as of uh, the middle of May, uh, which is over $625 million, the largest worldwide opening weekend for a movie that wasn't released during the summer or on a holiday, uh, putting it just ahead of Alice in Wonderland's previous record, which was about $210 million. Uh, it comes at an interesting time in that Lionsgate, which is a public company uh, technically based in Canada, although the entertainment operations are pretty much in Los Angeles, uh, had just done this deal to acquire Summit Entertainment, which is a studio you probably know best as uh, the home of the Twilight movies, which have been hugely successful. And it was uh, quite a deal. They basically used uh, Summit's own money to buy Summit uh, and some debt and uh, cashed out. And they're also now going to have the uh, next Twilight sequel movie, 
this coming November, which also should be very big for them. Uh, but Hunger Games is also the first of a franchise. They expect to make at least four of these movies. Uh, they're based on uh, some best-selling books uh, that you may be familiar with, uh, set in the future where they hold these games where young people are chosen essentially to be uh, sort of gladiator-type characters in these games, and, uh, and the loser, uh, things don't turn out too well for the loser. Uh, I won't spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it, but uh, I can tell you that Lionsgate is not the loser here. They've done enormously well with this. It's boosted their stock. It's boosted their company. And really, after many years where arguably there have been almost no new major studios that have joined the club that is dominated by Disney and 20th Century Fox and Warner Brothers and Universal and maybe DreamWorks you know, in a smaller way, Lionsgate seems poised to be in that circle of big companies, and they're doing a lot of interesting stuff. You know, they have uh, Anger Management, the new TV series with Charlie Sheen that they're developing. Uh, they're very innovative in many ways, a smart company and uh, making money, and uh, it's nice to see another player in Hollywood after years of seeing the consolidation and the shrinkage in the number of big players. It's always good to add one. We're going to talk about... Charlie, and he's back in the news later on in today's interview. But Yahoo just announced, Alex, that they're planning on taking aim at a stake of uh, the summer movie season business with the launch of Movie Land. Not sure if you're familiar with this or not, but I understand it's an on game, uh, online game promoting uh, concept where some 35 big budget films are participating and users get to go online and watch trailers and answer trivia questions and earn a share of online badges, purchase tickets, win prizes, etc. Obviously, they're targeting uh, the young movie-going audience. Do you know anything about Yahoo's announcement and this concept? Yeah, it's an interactive online game. It's uh, going to promote about 35 big-budget films that are coming up, and they developed it working with the major studios and it's essentially a virtual board game with each square representing a different summer film. And for each film, the users uh, will be able to watch trailers, answer trivia questions, uh, and earn what they call badges, uh, which I guess if you get enough badges, you're allowed to purchase tickets and win prizes. And, uh, you know, Yahoo's been going through a lot of changes recently. They've had to change their CEO for about, I don't know, the third time in a year or two. Uh, and the stock is way down, so... Uh, they're trying a lot of different things, and uh, they have a partnership in news with ABC, uh, and they uh, are doing a lot of other stuff. But they debuted this game recently with uh, trailers and trivia for a bunch of movies, including uh, Dark Shadows and The Dictator and What to Expect When You're Expecting and, and a picture called Battleship coming from Universal. Uh, and so this is part of their effort to you know, bring people in uh, Google is a search engine, and people use it that way, and so they interact with it a lot. Yahoo's search engine hasn't worked out as well. And in fact, I think uh, they use somebody else's search engine technology now. So they have to be a site that attracts people in other ways, and it gets harder and harder in a very competitive world. So this is yet another way that uh, Yahoo Movies is trying to you know, create a broader strategy to transition from just being a web portal and search engine to really being a producer of premium online content and, uh, and to give advertisers a place to come and work with them as they convert traffic on the web into revenue. Yeah. You know, I understand that Yahoo is considering a tool uh, allowed online to make adjustments on your resume if you want to uh, 
change it around and claim to be something that you're not or you know maybe change your major if you like anyway uh former ceo sorry that would be good for the former ceo yeah, I know. Uh, real quickly, just to wrap up on uh, on the Yahoo launch of Movie Land, and we'll wrap up this segment. I'm assuming the 35 big budget f- uh, film studios that are films that uh, they're talking about promoting there are all the studios coming lining up and paying some marketing fee for that, right? I'm sure it is. Uh, I'm sure they're not doing it just because they're a bunch of nice guys. Uh, these people are probably buying ads and promotional packages and other things, but look, when you're launching a movie like Battleship or uh, The Dictator, and you're spending 25 to $50 million on the marketing of these movies, uh, you know, going online, uh, whether it's through social networks like Facebook, uh, to affect so- uh, search engines like Google, or to uh, promote yourself on Yahoo, which gets a lot of traffic, is just part of the mix these days. You know, the days when you just did 30 second commercials and then uh, went to lunch are over today you gotta try it all on the advertising show uh, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here with our very special guest out of LA Alex Mendlock Alex is an entertainment industry journalist author broadcaster and show business historian and is also senior editor of uh, the Hollywood Reporter back in just a minute with more on the advertising show with Ray and Brad You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Uh, these are the three largest selling soft drinks. Now, let's have a look and see what makes them so popular. It's always a pleasure to get uh, Alex Benzlock uh, to talk to us out of L.A. Alex is a busy guy. He's a lead editor of George Lucas's blockbusting, a decade-by-decade uh, survey of timeless movies, including untold secrets of uh, their financial and cultural success and author of the uh, critically acclaimed book, Outfoxed. But he takes the time out of his day, at least uh, occasionally here, to chat with us as well. So, Alex, a pleasure as always, and welcome back to The Advertising Show. Thanks so much. Always happy to be here. Alex, the uh, summer movie season is right here, right now. Can you bring us up to date on what we can expect from the studios this summer? Well, like the Energizer Bunny, I'll beat my drum here about some of the big (laughs) movies coming up this summer. Uh... Men in Black 3, you may have heard about. Tommy Lee Jones uh, returns, as does Will Smith. Uh, the rumor is that this movie only cost a little over $300 million to make. A bargain. Uh, so uh, I think they're hoping that it'll, it'll do a little business. Uh, a movie that cost a lot less was Moonrise Kingdom, which was the film by Wes Anderson, uh, starring Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, uh, Tilda Swinton, and others. It just opened the Cannes Film Festival recently. Um, and going forward, Snow White and the Huntsman is coming up in June, uh, a stylized version of, uh, the story of Snow White, uh, Prometheus from, uh, Ridley Scott, which is being called a quasi-alien prequel, uh, is sort of in the Blade Runner tradition, uh, and Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted, I know you're probably waiting for that, from the animated hit franchise. Uh, from DreamWorks Animation. Tom Cruise will be back in mid-June in Rock of Ages. Uh, and this is about a, uh, uh, a rock star based on a musical, based on the hit off-Broadway show. Uh, and it's about, you know, boy meets girl, and then they sing about it. And I can hardly wait to hear Tom sing. <laughs> um, 
Pixar, which has a pretty much unbelievable track record, the Disney division that makes animated movies like Cars and, and lots of others, is going to have Brave, June 22nd, an adventure uh, about a, uh, uh, a young guy who's making waves across the highlands. This is a girl, actually, who's fighting for her independence at a time of great upheaval. And uh, it should be a new classic Disney character if all goes well. Here's a movie that will draw blood. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, coming June 22nd. Oh, my God. And uh, this is Tim Burton, who uh, we just uh, just gave us the uh, Dark Shadows movie. Um, and uh, he tells us about Honest Abe, what he was doing when he wasn't busy running the country and freeing the slaves. Uh, Woody Allen has a new movie, movie called To Rome With Love, coming later in June. And uh, this time uh, Woody is in Rome, and, uh, and he has Ellen Page and Alec Baldwin, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, Roberto Benigni, uh, and others. Uh, Steven Soderbergh is back with Magic Mike, uh, based partly on, uh, on a, uh, about a male stripper trying to jumpstart his life. Uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation. Uh, hopefully it'll be better than the first film, which made a lot of money, but made uh, the critics ill. Uh, in July, uh, and I know you'll be climbing the walls for this one, guys, The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Only five years after the last one. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully a little less campy. This time, Andrew Garfield is the uh, is Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Uh, and Emma Stone is the love interest. So this is the new cast. Of which, uh, of which they uh, featured a trailer on the uh, the new uh, American Idol uh, recently here as well. Oh, did they for Spider-Man? Yeah. And then a movie I'm actually looking forward to, because I'm a big Chris Nolan fan, is The Dark Knight Rises, coming July 20th. Ah. And uh, this concludes his epic Batman trilogy, and it really has been epic. I think he's done a great job with it. Uh, come August, we're going to have uh, Jeremy Renner taking over as uh, Bourne from Matt Damon in The Bourne Legacy. And uh, Ed Norton and Rachel White's uh, joined him in an adventure that branches off uh, uh, with some new events. And then uh, I know you're waiting for that remake of Total Recall. It's finally arrived. Uh, this will be Colin Farrell in August. Uh, Meryl Streep is back uh, after her big Oscar win for Iron Lady in Hope Springs, August 10th, joined by Tommy Lee Jones and Steve Carell. And uh, they attend a couple counseling weekend to try to repair their marriage. Uh, there's a new version of The Expendables with all those expendable actors like Sylvester Stallone and uh, our former governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, joined by Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Jet Li, Mickey Rourke, and John Travolta. What a cast. Uh, and those are just some of the movies that you can look forward to this summer. And I know that uh, you probably will be wanting to you know, buy your advance tickets early because uh, I'm sure the box office is going to be booming. Yeah, and since when did they start calling uh, your reference in Born? Uh, when, since when did they start calling sequels legacies, uh, Alex? Is that something you just threw in there? Well, you know, when you make enough of them and you keep changing the cast, and they're prequels and after the fact and on the fact and reinvent it, you uh, you got to come up with this new language. So, yeah, uh, legacies is good as anything. You know, I guess it's uh, studios once again, as we've talked about uh, on the show with you many, many times before. It's basically a, 
a safety net for when the studios go out and make a sequel because they have a bit of a built-in audience, a built-in following, and they know that they've got some some interest with already a previous hit. And I guess the key there is knowing when to quit. Well, uh, you know, these days they don't really quit. If it makes money and if it's got a brand, they uh, really like to employ it. What the studios are afraid of is making something really new something that you've never heard of that's uh, completely started because uh, it takes that much more effort to market it. They like things that are pre-sold. So they'll take a thing like Battleship, which is a board game of Hasbro that's been around for years, but then, of course, they'll totally, completely, and utterly change it so it's nothing like the game at all, and it becomes a movie about aliens from outer space battling the Navy. And uh, so, but at least, you know, we all kind of grew up with Battleship the game, and it gives them a point of reference. So this is all about the marketing and about uh, when you're spending up to $15 million to market something, you kind of want to have a best-selling book or a well-known game or something that is what they call a franchise behind it uh, to give your uh, board of directors and your investors some confidence you actually might know what you're doing. We're going to dedicate next segment to the small screen, but let's set that up with a final question this segment. Alex, moving to the small screen, the 2011-12 TV season, I guess, has just ended with Fox once again on top, yet CBS ended with leading the prized 18- to 49-year-old demo. What can you tell us about you know, what really took place this past year, winners, losers, etc.? Well, American Idol continues to drive Fox, and although it isn't what it used to be, the numbers are down, it's still, if not the 900-pound gorilla, it's probably now it's about the 800-pound gorilla of television. And uh, they also have a number of other shows that have done well for them. So Fox has uh, driven the ratings, and for the, I believe, eighth year in a row, which may be some kind of record, if we set to assist in their ads, uh, they are number one among all the TV networks, despite the fact that for part of the year they disappear and then they come back along with Idol in every January. CBS, uh, which has a bunch of pretty good shows, uh, continues to be the winner in adults 18 to 49, which is the demographic most coveted by advertisers. So they each have something to crow about. NBC uh, was in third place, which actually uh, is a little better than last year. I think they were in fourth place. But they were just a notch ahead of ABC. Uh, in Univision, maybe the big story, which is that the Spanish language network continues to grow by leaps and bounds and often is competitive in major time periods with the English language networks for who has the most audience and the most viewers. And Univision recently announced it's going to create a whole bunch of new networks that uh, it's going to be coming out with, and there's a number of other Spanish language networks coming. So uh, TV, if not bilingual, certainly is bicultural and uh, trying to reflect the diverse world we live in. Love the changes. And, uh, let's Jesus. hope so. Yeah, really. Uh, Alex Ben Block, we're talking to entertainment today here on the Advertising Show. Alex is the senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter, and we'll have more for you and a lot more great conversation to come your way here on the Advertising Show. Stay with us. Hope you're enjoying the conversation today here on the Advertising Show with Rachel Lins and Brad Forsyth and our special guest out of L.A. It is the senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter, Alex Ben Block. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. 
You know, you live in a state known for its multi-billion dollar budget cuts, so I don't have to tell you uh, all the exciting things going on in Southern California by your wonderful governor there. But yet I understand, Alex, Time Warner is launching two new sports cable networks uh, in SoCal, uh, which has got to help uh, economically, at least things down south there. Tell us what's going on with that. Well, come October 1st, uh, they're going to be launching two networks. This really started with a very, very pricey deal they did to take over the rights of the Los Angeles Lakers, which previously had been held by Fox Sports West. And uh, the new Time Warner Cable Sports Networks, one in English and one in uh, Spanish, will also carry the games of the Galaxy soccer team and the WNBA, that's ladies basketball, the Sparks, and uh, there's rumors abound that they also want to be the buyer of the rights when they come available to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And in case you uh, have been uh, underground for in recent weeks, the Dodgers were sold for the biggest price in the history of professional sports, about uh, $2 billion uh, recently to a new group who uh, are financed by the same entity that, uh, I should note, owns the Hollywood Reporter, uh, Guggenheim Partners out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Magic Johnson is the face of the team, and uh, you know, although he's a basketball star, he's now uh, Mr. Baseball in Los Angeles. And uh, so uh, Time Warner Cable is just dying to get those rights. Uh, and Time Warner Cable, you know, it, this is not the same Time Warner as owns Warner Brothers. A couple of years ago, this was spun off. It used to be part of that company, but it was spun off, and it's a separate company and a very large and healthy company spending a lot of money. Uh, and the country kind of divides up here in Los Angeles. We're dominated by Time Warner Cable. Uh, and so in Los Angeles, they are launching these two networks, and there's a whole trend here. The, the, you know, it's interesting that sports rights, which were always kind of valuable, have become wildly valuable, mainly because in the world where uh, there's so many viewing choices, one thing everybody agrees on is that you're going to have to watch your favorite team when they play in pattern not DVR it, not watch it the next day on Hulu, but you're going to yeah. have to watch it when it happens, and you're probably going to have to watch the commercials with it. So mm-hmm. that makes sports very, very valuable, and these people are spending a lot of money to try and be at the front of that trend. So a black eye for Comcast be- getting beat out on this deal? Well, Comcast has their own uh, sports stuff, and you know they converted their channel uh, to the new NBC Sports channel. They have the Olympics coming up. Uh, and they can be bidders for the Dodger rights, too, for all I know, uh, although it seems unlikely because they don't have a big enough footprint in Southern California. But uh, Comcast, uh, you know, if we talk about, for instance, what was the number one television program in America for the past season, you know what that was? Number one for this past season? Yeah, and the season before. Super Bowl. No, the regular program. It's oh, regular it's programming. NFL Sunday football. night football, right, on NBC, yeah. which is owned by who? Comcast. Yeah. So I'm not going to feel too bad for it. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was really Fox who, who does a lot of that same type of uh, regionalizing sports coverage, is who would be the big loser there. All right. Well, Fox has regional sports networks all over the United States, um, and they own a lot of the rights. They're very aggressive, very active. And really, they've revolutionized sports in the way they cover it. It was Fox uh, a few years back who, uh, it used to be that if you were a TV network, you never put the score on the screen, because the thinking was they put the score on the screen, then people see the score and say, oh, I'll come back later and check it again, and they won't watch. And Fox said, you know what, we're going to put it on the screen all the time. 
right. and David Hill, the genius uh, behind Fox Sports, and I say genius not sarcastically at all. He truly is one of the great people in the history of sports. He's an Australian who's lived in America for years. Uh, he says it should be called the Hill Box because it was his idea uh, to put that score there. But they've been very innovative in the whole way they cover sports, and I think they do a really good job. Well, you know, just when we all thought all was well with Charlie Sheen, I guess he's back in anger management, Alex. That's right. You know, Charlie had a little falling out in a show called Two and a Half Men. You may have heard something about that. <laughs> really? And uh, he essentially got fired by uh, Warner Brothers uh, uh, Telepictures division, and uh, they replaced him with a, a newcomer named Ashton Kutcher. Uh, and they're doing just fine with that show, by the way, on CBS. Uh, so Charlie, uh, having apparently uh, dealt with some of his personal issues, of which he shared many of them with us in the past year or two, uh, is now in a new syndicated show called Anger Management. And uh, this is being done, by the way, by Lionsgate, the company we talked about earlier. This is their syndication division doing this. And uh, what was interesting recently is not just that they're doing a test on the FX network, and almost inevitably this show is going to create 100 episodes that are going to be in syndication nationwide and really all over the world uh, beginning in the fall. Uh, and, and, uh, the, uh, but that, uh, you know, they went out to advertisers and said to them, don't worry, Charlie's normal now. He's not going to do anything to embarrass you. There'll be nothing on the show that'll make you crazy or sorry that you advertised. It's okay. Spend your money. Buy those spots. And so... Uh, even before the big Charlie Sheen test of anger management goes on, it's selling very well. And uh, this is really a new chapter in Charlie Sheen's career's career, which has had its share of highs and lows. And you got to admit that uh, him taking the, uh, the role that Jack Nicholson had in the movie Anger Management is pretty classic for a guy who obviously needs a lot of help with his anger management. Uh, but uh, they say that it's funny and clever, and uh, certainly there's an appetite for it. So uh, I'm not counting Charlie Sheen out, and uh, he is uh, clearly uh, somebody we're all going to be watching for years to come. Yeah, I've seen him on some of these uh, morning network talk shows, uh, breakfast programming, as they used to call it, and he's doing some, I think, uh, you know, he's reestablishing his sanity and admitting that he was a little bit off-kilter, I guess, and I think it's always good for the American public to hear somebody admit that they were a little whacked out a while back, don't you think? Yeah, you know, if you stop drinking tiger blood, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Ray's right behind Charlie. He's thinking about stopping as well. I'm Original doing Tiger Blood con- Light. Uh, it's a diet one. <laughs> Original content has boded well for HBO and Showtime for several years now, and I understand DirecTV has decided to produce some original content for, uh, content for the first time, Alex. They have. Uh, you know, DirecTV, of course, is a, the number one satellite service in the United States. Uh, and uh, others have gone into it, like Netflix is producing some original content. And DirecTV has actually picked up some shows in the past uh, and made episodes, new episodes of shows that were no longer on the network that had popularity. And it helps bring in audience. It gets people to subscribe. And now they're, they're uh, launching their first ever original scripted series called Rogue, starring Tandy Newton, who's an English actress who's been in a number of movies. They're doing 10 episodes, and it's described as a suspense drama about a morally and emotionally conflicted cop, which is the part she plays, who's tormented by the possibility that her own actions contributed to her son's death. 
So uh, you can look for Rogue uh, to debut probably somewhere in the summer of 2013. So if you're thinking of subscribing to DirecTV, that's what's in your future. Well, you know, as we wrap it up, you can't when you talk about advertising and getting behind uh, great television programming or a particular personality that you might be a little skittish on. It's all about advertisers, agencies, media buyers, uh, and and they all base it on one thing, and that's called ratings. Nielsen has unveiled their global television audience system, which is their next generation of meters to measure TV and video. What can you tell us about that, Alex? Well, you know, uh, it's been a real problem uh, measuring as people leave the old traditional platforms like uh, linear television and move to all these new things. So Nielsen's been trying a bunch of stuff. So now they've come up with the, the global television audience metering. This is an initiative uh, to develop four new audience measuring technologies, uh, and they hope it'll deal with all the conceivable challenges of uh, measuring viewing behavior in uh, contemporary households, at a time when it's really hard, you know, because people watch different TV sets at different times, and now with the cloud, people go and, uh, you know, they sit in the airport and they watch, or they watch uh, on their cell phone. So uh, this is a strategy to try and incorporate mobile and wireless, Internet-based video, as well as all the uh, the usual suspect technologies. And, uh, and also they hope to spread it across inter- at least 16 international markets, and uh, they're going to be rolling this out and uh, tying it into other media devices like uh, TV set-top boxes and DVRs and so forth and, uh, and use all of this technology to try and give advertisers much more targeted, much more specific information, not just about how many people are watching, but who's watching, not meaning Brad and Ray, but uh, you know, based on the demographic of the age of the sex, of the uh, of the uh, the neighborhood you live in, how much money people in that neighborhood make, to be able to really identify them, and then uh, help advertisers target you to sell you all kinds of stuff that they just know you're dying to have, and uh, and Nielsen wants to enable them to do this. So uh, get ready for the invasion of the very personal advertising media, and Nielsen will be there to help them along. Well, what a greater uh, note to end on, Ray. Absolutely, absolutely. Let us count our blessings after that. I think. <laughs> and move on with our day here. Alex, always a pleasure. Thank we thank you. We are now up to date officially, and we appreciate your, uh, your your presence here on the advertising show as always. We'll keep it up, guys, and, uh, and a happy summertime is ahead. You got it. Alex Ben Block with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is a copyrighted Big Radio Midget production, and we will talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.